Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Okay, let's do a show. Tonight's topic, are you fired up? Or are you gaslit? Are you furious or are you cowering? Has, has the right-wing onslaught, the smear campaigning, the double talk and jive and rank fuckery made you want to check out? Or has it made you want to step up? Is the gutting of Roe v. Wade, the killing of voting rights, does it make you want to disengage? Or has something changed and are you feeling more engaged? Are you giving up or are you just getting started? Everyone I've talked to has been so discouraged for so long. I know it's scary. I know they're taking away your rights. I know they're making it harder to vote. I know legislatures are stacking the deck. I know our president is a very nice man who is 147 years old, and we're worried about him. I know all of these things, and I know the beast from Queens wants to rise again. But are you giving up, or are you realizing, holy shit, people are angry on a level we haven't seen since the last outrage? I know a lot of Democrats, moderates, liberals, leftists, progressives and just plain anti-evil folk who were giving up a month ago and now they are more engaged than ever which one are you have you lost your fire or are you realizing wait a second maybe this red wave the media has been selling me about this november isn't going to happen tonight's show is brought to you by joe manchin Yes, Joe Manchin, now for sale. Are you a Wall Street lobbyist? Are you a fossil fuel fossil? Are you a Christo-fascist with deep pockets? Is there a bill out there that might, just might, help non-millionaires? Do you need someone in Congress to drag the negotiation process out for months, spend month after month giving Democrats false hopes, keep moving the goalposts, and then kill it at the last minute? Well, my friends, try Joe Manchin. Over 25 Republican billionaire donors agree he's the best and bendy. Democratic Senator. Joe Manchin founded two coal companies in the 80s, which are led today by his son. He's been getting rich for decades by selling dirty coal and blocking climate bills for a fee. He's taken more campaign cash from the oil and gas industry than any other senator. 
and he wants to take yours. Look, Joe Manchin just single-handedly shattered Joe Biden's climate agenda. And what would have been the largest single federal investment in American history toward addressing the toll climate change takes on our air, land and water. And Joe Manchin just crushed it like a bug, destroyed the wishes of 81 million voters to raise taxes on billionaires who could easily afford it. Donors, dark money douchebags, Joe's your man. He can be bought and he doesn't mind being more unpopular with his own party than Ricky Martin at a Thanksgiving family gathering for the rest of his life. $500,000 a year he takes from one of the dirtiest coal plants in West Virginia, more than twice his salary as U.S. Senator. I know, shouldn't be legal, but it is. And that's why Joe Manchin wants to take your money, the max from you, and heck, he wants to take it from your wife as well. You can do it legally. Joe Manchin privately told colleagues parents were going to use child tax credit money to buy drugs. What do you need killed? Voting rights? Climate action? He's making sure Build Back Better can't limp back later. Politico reports that Chuck Schumer offered an energy deal to Joe Manchin that didn't include tax increases on the rich that we all voted for. And Manchin rejected that as well. Didn't include corporate taxes that Manchin doesn't want. And Manchin rejected it anyway. And now you can buy yourself a piece of the manch. Here's how it works. You give Joe money. Then Joe spends months pretending he wants to raise taxes a little bit on the wealthy and corporations. Pretending he wants to do something to help the earth or protect women's reproductive rights or protect democracy. When there's full employment... Very large federal deficits do, in fact, contribute to inflation, but Manchin will protect the deficit and inflation like they're his cubs and he's a fierce mama bear. Because the filibuster matters just too much. Let Joe Manchin enhance your agenda by killing theirs. He'll say your COVID relief is too expensive. He'll say saving the earth is too expensive. He'll say $768 billion a year on a defense budget is just peachy. When things are bad... Joe Manchin could always make it worse. He's the annoying toothache during the apocalypse. He's the attack of shingles on the day of your execution. It's like rain on your wedding day, but you also catch fire. It's like a monkeypox outbreak during a COVID variant outbreak, if you can imagine something that fucked up happening this century. When the world's literally on fire, and you need one Democrat to join every single Republican to stop any progress, only one man will force his party staffers to spend more than a year working nights and weekends to scale back, water down, cut the guts out of climate legislation to his specifications and then destroy it inches from the finish line. He's so bought and paid for he should come with a gift receipt when he enters a room. Donate now and receive the Joe Manchin in-action figure. Put a nickel in and he says no. Remember, the world's getting hotter. Resources are scarce. Joe Manchin and 50 Republican senators remind you at times like this, donors, it's important to say, fuck your grandchildren. And fuck your great-grandchildren, too. One day they'll curse your name when they are dead for not doing anything to save the earth. So get ahead of that and let your life's legacy be a diss track to all who follow. If you'd like Joe Manchin to get rich protecting the rich, protecting the polluters and shitting on poor people of his state and yours, taking money to vote in ways that affect your life, do nothing. He's already doing it. There is no cure. Unless you vote for Val Demings in Florida for the Senate, Mike Franken in Iowa for the Senate, Charles Booker in Kentucky for the Senate, Luke Mixon in Louisiana for the Senate, Sherry Beasley in North Carolina for the Senate, Tim Ryan in Ohio for the Senate, John Fetterman in Pennsylvania, or Mandela Barnes. Vote for two of those and no one will ever give a fuck what Joe Manchin thinks ever again. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. 
That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. I'm so pleased to welcome our guest for this hour. Mike Kaplan is someone who did our show hundreds of times back on the other channel and before the dark times of the pandemic. He's been on The Tonight Show, Conan, The Late Show with Letterman, The Late Late Show with James Corden. He's one of the few comics to do The Tonight Show with Conan. He's been a finalist on Last Comic Standing and appeared on America's Got Talent. His 2020 comedy album, AKA, is based on a great show he did at the Edinburgh Fringe. His podcast, Broccoli and Ice Cream, is essential. The day after his album was released, by the way, it made it to number one on the iTunes comedy album chart, and he was featured in a New York Times article on the best new comedy called Five Comedy Specials to Remind You of the Old Normal. After 800 days, it is such a pleasure to welcome one of our favorite comedians back to the studios, Mr. Mike Kaplan. Thank you so much, John. I always love being here. Thank you for having <laughs> Thank me. Thank you for <laughs> sitting through my opening rant. Oh, it, it's delightful. I uh, It's a, a wonder. It was like a... I really like the call to action at the end because I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah, well, you know, it's like you know about this. You've done a lot of political humor. You you have to try to be a solutionist while not pussyfooting around how bad everything is. And I, I wanted to talk to you on a Friday because you are someone who consistently, I find, is able to find the absurdity in how fucked up all matters are sure i mean that's a spiritual challenge i think for all of us but comedians who can do it who can actually face the truth and not become nihilistic is a, a rare thing oh yeah i mean i thank you i've i've had a good i'm very fortunate you know like i for a long time i was uh delusion i mean i'm still probably delusional in ways but you know sort of the delusions that are provided to a, a white man a straight man a cisgender man a man <laughs> in our society you know told by my my family my culture uh my society that i am worthwhile and should be heard. I come from a long line of talkers, a long line of people <laughs> who say who say things like, uh, what's this line? What's what's this line? You know, but uh, I sincerely I was trying to remember a tweet that I tweeted earlier that I could plug in there, but I apologize for that. I <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I started doing comedy when I was 24 and I not that I didn't have anything to say, but I surely compared to now, I'm like, oh, what what was I? I was I got to be good at saying, you know, like I don't like tooting my own horn, but I'm very good at tooting my own horn. <laughs> and that's almost that was almost all it was for a while. But I mean, I, most comics launch on hubris as fuel when they first start, right? For sure. Uh, I mean, I can, I can only speak for myself, and, uh, and but it so sounds right. Sounds like a lot of us. Uh, and then, you know, in 2016, I feel like that was the, fir the first, like, big... Here's a, an, an analogy I never thought about. When... So 2010 was, like, the year that I did Last Comic Standing, which was the year at which people then, after that, started coming to see me because they knew who I was. Very and that, nice. that was, like, the first, like, you know, not 
not an overnight success. It was, you know, I'd been doing comedy for eight years, but, uh, you know, I'd done comedy on TV and still, you know, a million people see you, but then you go to a town and how many of those million people are there? You know, of course. maybe a couple. Uh, but I feel like similarly, the, you know, I under, I've understood, I was like, you know, I've been vegan for 20 years. I know that there are, uh, like, there's suffering in the world there, and there has been, and there maybe not always will be. Uh, I'm an optimist. Uh, I've been learning about Buddhism from Instagram and bumper stickers, like you do. <laughs> and, but sincerely, I feel like the 2016 election did for my awareness of, like, what action was necessary uh, as to, I forget how this analogy went, what last comic standing did to my career it was just like expanded go- yeah goosed yeah. it raised it i was like oh like this and i but also, I feel, yeah. by the way i feel the same thing about covid mm-hmm. i think in that way it was kind of mechanical because so many people were confined to the home they were watching more news watching more tv just not able to go out for a whole year that i think it made so many people more politically engaged i mean we can talk about the negative consequences to everything but you know in a world where there's no absolute value to any incident good things will come from bad things bad things will come from good things and i found that uh the trump presidency and the uh covid pandemic for all their awfulness brought out the best in a lot of people and i'm sort of feeling the same thing for the third time in 10 years over the response to the gutting of roe v wade oh yeah there's so i've been listening to a lot of uh uh, Joseph Goldstein, do you know that guy? A Buddhist teacher. Yes. Uh, wonderful, wonderful speaker. Uh, so many great ideas that, you know, are coming from like, you know, generations and generations before. But like one of the things specifically that I was listening to him talk about recently is like, you know, when we have, when, you know, in our personal life, if we have a negative feeling, uh, an emotion that we wish we didn't, like these are almost always grounds for like, oh, well, I, for growth, for, for improvement, for learning something, yes. uh, especially. Actually, I don't. Do you know? Have we talked about Byron Katie? No. Uh, Byron Katie is a a teacher as well, a thinker, a spiritual kind of a writer and doer. She has a thing called the work, and she has these things called judge your neighbor worksheets. And what they what she does in like one on ones with people, and that offers other people to do. My girlfriend got me into her, and my girlfriend has done. We we do this sometimes. Okay. When it comes up, if you have a feeling like this person should like, let's say you know. Getting just to the personal, not the political to start with. Okay. But like, you know, in your life, if, you know, somebody you love does something that you don't like and you're like, they shouldn't have done that. She'll be like, is it true that they shouldn't have? Is it even true? Like, are the facts that you're believing, is the story that you're telling yourself true? And who would you be if you didn't believe that story? So the work is checking your own bullshit? Exactly. Okay. Well, I I respect. Yeah. Catholics do that. We just do it through shame all the time and doubting yourself. Of course. Of course. It it works. (laughs) And so. So whenever I think in the context of of Byron Katie's the work, whenever we have, you know, whenever I have a thing where I'm like, oh, I wish that didn't happen. Like, well, what what is it that I can like? Is it it happened? So <laughs> yeah. like if it's raining, you know, you can either be like, oh, man, it's raining or you can be like, oh, it's raining. Like, you know, yeah. your your reaction can be uh, in, in any tone. You could be think about like, oh, the crops. That's really good. It's been a drought, whatever it is like the earth's on fire. Rain will help put right, it out. You know, right, that kind right. of thing. I mean, Bob Dylan said some people feel the rain. Some just get wet. But it's sort of like the, you know, the ancient Chinese parable of the man uh, whose horse runs away. Exactly. You know, yes, that one, right? yes, yes, yes. And then the horse then, then friends say, oh, it's terrible. Your horse ran away. Maybe yes, maybe no. Yeah, yes. we'll 
see. And then, and this, this, by the way, this parable has kept me sane the last 10 years. And then the next day his horse comes back and it's brought a whole herd of horses with it. What great news. You're so lucky. Maybe yes, maybe no. Yeah. And then the next day his son is trying to put saddles on these new horses and the horse throws and breaks his oldest son's leg. Oh, this is clearly objectively bad oh, news. Horrible news. Yeah. Horrible. Maybe yes, maybe no. <laughs> and then the next day the army comes through town to conscript all the young males and send them off to battle where they will certainly die, but they can't take his son because of the broken leg. Turns out this is the best thing that so ever happened. lucky for you. Maybe yes, maybe no. And there's no end to the story. Do you know this story uh, that this reminds me of? My friend Gus, who is a Buddhist, but it's not relevant to the story, but just I, I can't not tell you everything. Um, shared me shared with me this story that uh, my brother, by the way, went to Naropa, the the Buddhist oh, university. Wonderful. So now he's all emptier than now. But go on, please. I love it. Uh, not not full of himself anymore. Okay, yeah, full of emptiness. Okay, exactly right. Um, I tried. I applied, but they said I was too empty to be a Buddhist. So vapid, the Buddha, you know. Uh, oh yeah. So the the story is that there was some uh, like the perhaps this is cartoonish or a caricature, but a, a diplomat from a country in Asia was asked a question about the. I said, "What do you think uh, about the?" The results of the French Revolution, and they the answer that the the diplomat gave was, I think it's too soon to tell, and that's that's a, a funny, beautiful story that actually turns out uh, is based on a mistranslation. I like the message anyway. It turns out he the the diplomat thought they were asking about like riots that were happening in France last week, right. but uh, works works a lot better. It's the whole Gandhi quote about what do you think of Western civilization, and he said, I think it's an excellent idea. <laughs> oh yeah, there's there's one more uh, similar. Asian uh, wise <laughs> diplomat story that I that I'm trying to think of right now where I might not have it, but come back. There's the time yeah. I, I met the Dalai Lama and said, hello, Dolly. And we sang show tunes all day. It was great. Do you know, uh, real quick, my friend Gus, the Buddhist, told me that the one time that he was in the same place as the Dalai Lama, the Dalai Lama was in a building. There's a window. Gus is outside. They Their eyes connect. And Gus says that the way that the Dalai Lama looked at him was like with the most joy in his. He's like, I hope to one day look at like my husband with that much joy that yes. the Dalai Lama looking at me who's never met him uh did and yeah that guy yeah he, he kind of know, he knows what's up i mean yeah i mean in fairness the dalai lama no student loans you know i mean <laughs> they, you know it's a pretty good gig martin scorsese makes a movie about you you know he's, he's, he's doing well but, yes i mean but that's the trick right like during the worst times in the world how do you take that modeling and apply it i mean one thing that i've always liked about your comedy whether you're doing political or not is that uh your love of language and wordplay, but also just um, like Gilbert and Sullivan, you just do. And like Monty Python, you will take the absurdity and the language to great intellectual heights. You always play at the top of your intelligence. And I've seen you do really cerebral sets with really uh, base New York rooms and get them rolling all the time. During the pandemic, during all this time of loss, during all this time of Trump, during all this time of women's reproductive rights being stripped away. Have you, even though you are generally a positive person, have you struggled with darkness? Have you had to find your center again? Uh, thanks for asking. I mean, surely I experience, you know, as full a range of human emotion as uh, as as anyone. I don't know. I mean, we all have sort no, of our some baselines. comics are miserable yeah. bastards with horrible mood swings, as you know. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. So I don't know what my, my what the equivalent of my lowest is, but I think I tend more towards anxiety than depression. You know, which, as I understand it, depression is sort of like more about the past, yes. like wallowing in what 
might have been and the anxiety is worrying about what might be. And what did the Buddha say? (laughs) I mean, the secret to health and mind and body is not to worry about the future or grieve the past, but to live in the present moment wisely and earnestly. Yeah, the the Dalai Lama said, I think there's only two days that you can't accomplish anything, yesterday and tomorrow. (laughs) And so, yeah, that's, I mean, all of these things are things that are helpful for me they're all kind of like everything's great reminders like you know no almost nobody i think is you know the wheel exists you know every the the slogans are there the teachings are there the wisdom you know whether it's whether it's from buddhism or you know what jesus actually said or you know the talmud or uh, the quran like there's and whether or whether from empirical scientific exploration from self exploration <laughs> like there's you know i'm not I'm not I'm always like remembering. I'm always like relearning like number 1 like to breathe, you know, like yes. while while you were talking, I feel like we have a similar thing where at the end of uh, a show, I'm sure people come up to you and be like I, I like Rick Jenkins, the owner of the comedy studio where I started out in Boston, uh, would often come on after I would do like a 10 minute set and would say, Mike Kaplan, everyone. And uh, the amazing. He did it all without taking a breath, you know, <laughs> and like I've been told, you know, how they say uh, jazz is about the notes that you don't play. Yes. Somebody told me my comedy is like anti jazz. It's all the, about the breaths that I don't take. Yes. And which which it appears when you watch your act at first point, it can seem like, oh, this this gentleman's had too much caffeine and he just can't stop talking. But that's how you seduce an audience. I've seen you do it a hundred times. I mean, your verbosity is a way you disarm a crowd and then they realize how fucking funny the end point is. Well, I, I very much appreciate it and I hopefully some of the midpoints as well because sometimes I find that there is no end point. The midpoints point. are tedious, yeah. Mike. They go, the midpoints kind of drag. Yes, they go on. Go on like a like a bad marriage, but yeah. But the I was just, a thing that I jotted down as you were talking like as a concept that... I feel like so many people today, you know, self-included, are like, there's so much to do. There's so many problems that need addressing, like caring for people who need to be able to vote, who need to be able to get medical care, who need to be able to get food, who who have all kinds of needs, you know, across gender lines, sexuality, you know, race, everything. And like the question, the, the kind of the reverse of what about ism, be like, well, just what are you anything and start with anything, start with yourself, you know, okay. start with oxygen mask for yourself. Yes. And so the, the, the line that I wrote down, I don't know what the setup is, but it's like, I'll breathe when I'm dead, you know, and <laughs> it's important to breathe while we're alive and like truly just like... I, I meditate every morning. Uh, I sometimes with a guide, sometimes with, you know, different, sometimes with music. And I forget if we've talked about this. It seems like the kind of thing we might have. There's a book I read by Alan Cohen. Uh, I forget. It's like a six. I forget the name, but it's a 365, you know, like thing a day right. book, right. like a message, uh, an affirmation, a meditation, a fable. Always fun. And one was about the formative minutes of the day, like the, for, you know, the formative years of your life. Like if you don't get the proper nutrition, then you're you start off at a disadvantage. Very true. If or the you, proper sleep. Exactly. If you start without the proper, you know, care, love, you know, touch. But to me, that that's political, too. I know sure. it's self-care and it's it's wellness, but it's deeply political because there are fascists in our culture. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to use the shorthand parlance uh, who want us to despair, who want us to give up, who, who want us to really believe that democracy is not going to achieve anything, that civil rights, that activism, that none of this is going to matter, that you have all these platforms and all these channels and Tubi and Quibi and Crunchyroll and you just stay home on the couch and watch your Kardashians. And let the grownups handle the ugly stuff. And I mean, it has just been such a systemic 
program of trying to make people think their vote doesn't matter. You already voted in 2020, so what's the point of showing up this year? Joe Biden's old and feeble and can't do anything, and he's a socialist mastermind who wants to remake the entire country. <laughs> and I mean, gaslighting is a real thing. And to me, so much of it is taking advantage of the fear the negativity, the darkness that might be in our hearts uh, right now or since 9-11 and um, and playing to the darkest parts of ourselves. I mean, so much of Donald Trump's whole thing was just stay home, um, you know, and, and what the hell have you got to lose? It's how could it be any worse with me? And so I, challenge I wanna, accepted. Yeah. I want to take some calls as well, because I, wa- I like ending the week trying to say, OK, where do we find the positivity in, in all this? And we were saying before the break for me, I found it in this 10 year old girl. Mm. Uh, in this horrible story. I mean, think about the ugliest story you can find. A 27-year-old man rapes a child. The child becomes pregnant. The child is three days too late to terminate her rapist pregnancy in the state of Ohio because of the fetal heartbeat bill. She's six weeks and three days. Didn't know. She's 10. Didn't know. And so she has to go to Indiana. The entire country hears the story. The president laments about it. And the fascist media machine responds by saying it's all a hoax. It's all a hoax. And then it's not. It's revealed to be true. They arraign a guy for doing it. And like things have gotten so bad that that story has inspired me and filled me with hope because so many people cared so much. And it's really shown a clear dividing line in this country right now that I I take strong inspiration from the fact that we have to ask all of our politicians which side of the 10 year old who is raped, who wants an abortion line, are you on? And so for me, like I find even in the bleakest things, it's how we respond, it's how movements are created, it's how people are inspired from the darkness to try to take control of their democracy, put the bullshitters and the fascists in their place, and just kind of shame evil. Because I'm a big fan of shaming evil, you know? It, it makes sense. I mean, I feel like when people say that they're pro-life, like life by itself isn't, you know, in, I mean, I think it's inherently good as well, but also on another level, it's like, what is your, what is the 10 year old girl's life like? How are you pro that girl's life? Exactly. If you are, you know, re-traumatizing her by, for months and years and perhaps the rest of her, this incarnation, you know, it's, yeah. I mean, making her have a 20 year old when she's 30 and this somehow makes you feel like a good person. And my whole theory on pro-life and I want to get to some calls is just that um, these are people who, uh, well, we've talked religion. They don't actually follow any religion. Their religion is criminalizing abortion and pretending they're better than other people. They're fundamentalists, maybe not as violent as some other fundamentalists in other parts of the world can be. But still, it's about violence and control and fear. And to me, it's like it's the most seductive kind of religion. All I've got to do is make life uncomfortable for poor women who get pregnant and I can go behind God's velvet rope. Hmm. I can be better. I don't have to follow anything Christ actually said. And yet I can go to the front of the Jesus class because I want to deny this service to women that uh, doesn't affect me. I, I want to impose my will on their choice. And this makes me a good person. And Mike, my entire adult life, I have watched shitty white people really feel like they are smugly spiritually su- superior because of this mental racket. Oh yeah. Can I tell you one thing that's also a nice thing that this sort of reminds me of uh my same friend Gus the Buddhist one time told me that a friend told him that a politician had died and Gus is rea- hadn't heard of the politician and was like, "Oh, that's that's too bad." And they said, "Oh no, this was actually like a hor- horrible, racist, sexist, homophobic politician." And then Gus says, "Oh, well, I guess then it's 
too bad that they didn't live long enough to see the error of their ways, regret, atone, and make meaningful amends. Like, that would be better. And, you know, you don't have to believe, like, the Buddhist paradigm in which there are rebirth and reincarnation Mm -hmm. and karma. Not that people get what they deserve, but that karma is, uh, like, a law of cause and effect. Like, it's not like things that go up deserve to come down, but they do. And that if if we plant positive seeds of thought Uh, speech and action if we water those seeds and they grow within us then then the fruits of those seeds uh will develop that's what we're supposed to long for right that's what we're supposed to hope is the outcome of every situation exactly i mean i don't want to kill darth vader you want darth vader to go back to being anakin before he dies a hundred percent when i was i'm working on a joke for years and it's just a maybe it's just a story of my life that i read this Raggedy Ann and Andy book when I was a kid and there was a villain in the story and at the very end of the book the villain had gotten into their home and had repented and like made them a nice dinner and like (laughs) leaving out the fact that that's still kind of boundary invasive that he broke in but the point of the story was oh the villain's heart had changed as a kid I was like that's not what I want villains deserve to die or Mm -hmm. be in jail that's what as a child I was already in that mindset now I'm like what is that what I want don't I want people to grow and learn and change and evolve and so like i i was the original villain of that story yeah we got to take a break but i love that thought i always thought villains are supposed to be like disney villains and fall from a great height to an unseen death now i always say i don't want donald trump to die i want three ghosts to visit him on christmas eve and Mm. make him a better person (laughs) quick break when we come back we're going to take your calls and i will thank you profusely for your patience on hold we're with our friend mike kaplan we're taking your calls for the next couple hours this is sirius xm Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm John Fiegel saying we are with our friend Mike Kaplan. So nice to have you with us, Mr. Kaplan. Always the pleasure. We have a lot of our evil army of the night waiting on hold. Let's take some calls. Jason in Florida. Jason, thank you for waiting. Oh, hey. Hi, John. Hello. You're spiritual stuff is great but be spiritually powerful to get out there and vote this november i agree think about this way you want america to be like florida here under DeSantis, and have them tell you your teachers how to teach the children and stuff like that and you know just wrong i I mean 
I've, I've seen so much that's bad that's happened in the state of Florida. I don't want that to become America. It's really Alabama. shocking. I mean, you know, I know people it's are terrified. Terrible. People are terrified of your governor, and it seems like he's going to be our next president. And and I don't really get it. He's a bit of a doughy mediocrity. He's not that bright. He barely won your state. And, you know, the more people learn about Don't Say Gay, which probably uh, Jason should have been called, go ahead and say gay and we'll allow any lunatic fuckhead in any district to sue any school because you said gay. I mean, it, it's so backwards and scary and ineffective and not conservative, but it's mean. Is that what people like? Just, that it's just mean to gay kids? Yeah. It, I, I think that's the appeal. Make- sense to me no it does make sense if you're a sadistic person if you if you get off on cruelty if you're part of the trump generation the cruelty is the point being mean to gay and trans kids like you're allowed to be a bully it's seductive for some people I don't know where they get, get, get off on there just weakness as far as i'm concerned does not accept people who are different for, uh, for, from them or god bless you anything else i know what it's like to have been you know, picked on stuff like that or sexual orientation stuff. Like, I'm as straight as straight as can be, but I know what it's like to be called names and stuff like that. It's not a good feeling. Yeah. Therefore, I believe in kindness and goodness and Catholic kindness, love. Pope Francis is the man. Oh, okay. So love you're him. you're you're a Jesus kind of Christian rather than uh, uh, yes, I am. what I call a grab him by the pussy evangelical. <laughs> no, no, that 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 tends to be quite offensive. To me, I, I think, Mike, that there's actually a lot of people. Uh, I, I love Florida. I've had a lot of good times there. My parents are both buried in that beautiful state. Um, I, I, I think there's a lot of really decent, lovely people in Florida. And we forget that Ron DeSantis barely won the state. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm thrilled that uh, that I mean, who knows what's going to happen. Who but, knows? Uh, but it, it, you know, worst case scenario, he does become president. I'm starting to call it the U.S. of gay. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, thank you very much for calling in. Have a great have weekend. A okay, now we have Catherine in Las Vegas back. Catherine, I'm so sorry about that. I'm not allowed to, to pick up the calls. Thea has to do that. That's, how are you? Hello. Hi. I'm good. And, and you know, I called to talk about abortion, but you were playing the Ramones. And if you haven't seen it yet, you need to watch that documentary that came out like 20 years ago about the Ramones. I forget what it's called. I'll send it to you on Twitter when I find the okay, title. Okay, that narrows uh, it down for me. Thank awesome. you. Okay, cool. Okay. But anyway, um, so two quick points on the abortion story with the 10-year-old rape victim. Please. Um, Wallace keeps asking, why was it so important for them to erase her, that they went out of their way to conspiracy theory hoax hoax this? Right. And the answer is because she totally, like, the only argument that they have left about abortion is that it's a moral issue That's right. grounded in their religion. Right. And this story of the 10-year-old rape victim completely destroys the moral argument, because how can it possibly be moral to impose the physical damage to her still-growing yes. body yes. that will happen to a 10-year-old her bones and teeth and her hair and everything in her body is stripped of the nutrients that it needs while it's still forming, including her brain. Yes, I know. This is I why mean, I still call my child a sexually transmitted parasite. <laughs> to this day, I do. But I, I, I think you're actually very... You're, no, you're you're right, Catherine. But here's the deal. I think they didn't want to talk about it. They wanted to make this go away. Like, I don't know, several hundred Secret Service text messages on January 6th. Um, because the Republicans know what a loser 
this repeal of Roe v. Wade is. Mike, for me, it's been a racket for 42 years. They say they're going to get rid of this and it raises a lot of votes and it raises a lot of money and it really shifts the entire perspective of what the Christian religion is supposed to be about because the Bible's not against abortion in any way. Jesus is religion, not against abortion. Judaism, not against abortion. Uh, And now they're the dog that finally caught the car. It's now going to be illegal and now they're terrified that they're going to have to answer these questions should a 10-year-old be forced by the state to give birth to her rapist child. It's uh, it's so sad that, I mean, part of part of the, like, problem, and I say this uh, as I'm also part of, you know, humanity, life, like, it's messy and not straight lines. It's not binary. It's not black and Correct. white. It's not male and female. It's not good or bad. It's, you know, there's so many, there's so much suffering for, it, for so many reasons, and we're... In this situation, I feel like it's just really highlighting like the the problem of being like, well, this entity said it's no. And so, well, if that's no, then it leads to this, you know, Rube Goldberg esque, <laughs> you know, like horrible, con- horrible. Like, I mean, even if you ex- like it's so hard to justify it on any moral framework other than just be like, this is the flag representing the religion. Yeah. That's like a game of telephone from what that's all. You know, yes. Because a Jesus, wise person Jesus said, said Jesus yeah. said love. Love your enemies, and the Rush Limbaugh's herd uh, put women in jail for terminating pregnancies, <laughs> and, and that's been two thousand years of telephone tag. I mean, there is no spiritual argument for it. Like the Bible's not against it, and yet they have rewritten the rules of a whole religion because they know that a lot of people aren't going to read the rules. How many times do you read the terms and conditions before you click yes? But that brings me back to my second point, Ooh. which is. Why did abortion become the big thing that the church decided was the most oh, I know why. there is? <laughs> I know why. Murder, not pedophilia. I know because why. Because men make up the church. And because no. a man can never have an abortion. No. And therefore, the men in the church could never be guilty of it. And it is how they control women. Okay. I, I like where you're going with this. I would say, however, this is true of the Catholic Church. And by the way, overseas, they're big against the death penalty they're big against abortion because the Catholic Church, and I love the Pope, but at the end of the day, their job is to say what's going to make the old ladies open up their pocketbooks and give the most money. So I learned this growing up as a Catholic um, in the South and New York City. They will send the progressive priests to Greenwich Village and they will send the conservative priests to the South because it's all about fundraising. I think in America, it's not so much about men not getting pregnant. I I really think um, white supremacy lost a home after the civil rights act was passed after dr king was shot there was nowhere for racists to go it wasn't popular anymore in the 1970s and jerry falwell was a former segregationist who built whites only schools and he and a few others in this moral majority realized that they could get a racist like ronald reagan who was a racist and made a segregationist chief justice of the supreme court and they made abortion their new issue for moral amoral right, people to pretend about- they're moral but no all the white supremacists all that strain of the gop went from being uh, anti-civil rights to anti-abortion rights and it's how they kept people voting because nixon broke the party yeah, and abortion about- got it back you're-, you're talking about the unholy alliance between the evangelicals and the republicans which yes is true is a hundred percent rooted in the fight against the desegregation of schools and that was their that was their workaround solution but i'm talking about the catholic bishops 
here in the United States yes. who have latched on to abortion as the evil mortal sin while That's they're shuffling around. And by the, the way, and, and here's the proof of it, because Jesus did come out against the death penalty. But you will never see a bishop denying the Eucharist to a politician who supports executing sinners. It's it's right. wild. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, or or to or to the courts that that sentenced them to death or to the jurists that sentenced them to death. But because, you know, the hierarchy of the church can never be guilty of having an abortion, it is a crime that they are completely removed from and can declare themselves holier than now yes. on yes. because they've never done it, whereas priests can steal, priests can lie, priests yes. can murder, priests can, can, can rape children. And the unborn are a very convenient the unborn are a very convenient group to deify and fight for because they'll never let you down. They'll never embarrass you. They, they, they become born and then you can forget about them. You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. <laughs> also, just want to throw out there that uh, certainly there are some men that can get pregnant, trans men, yes, there are. Et-, et cetera, though they're probably not as out in the church uh, hierarchy, so the point still does generally stand. Very fair point. Catherine, thank you very much for the call. Uh, Mr. Kaplan, can you hang on a little bit longer? I'd love to. We have to take a very quick break. When we come back, more of your calls, some real audio from the day, and I will thank you profusely for your time on hold. Call now to get the free Joe Manchin in-action figure. That's right. Give it a nickel, and it won't do anything, and it'll stop anyone from doing anything to help anyone. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. I'm John Fuglesang. This is Sirius XM Progress. Joined by comedian Mike Kaplan. Thank you for being with us, sir. A pleasure. I want to get to some of our callers who've been waiting on hold for a very long time. And I thank you guys for your patience. Ryan in Pennsylvania. Hey there. How are you doing? Very good. How are you? Oh, all right. Um, listen to you all the time. Thank you. Wanted to thank wanted to thank you for getting me through the nineties on the MTV and the VH one. Thank you. I didn't know I was, but I'm glad I could be of service to you. We 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 tried to make it funny. We tried to make it funny. We really did. The good old days when life was simple. Yes, when they were just impeaching presidents for blowjobs and our hearts were young and gay. Yeah. Yeah. The the good old days, like I said. Yep. I, we didn't know it. You know, what's going to what's going to mean in 20 years when we think that this ungodly, horrific time of dystopia was the good old days? Uh, I don't know what our I have a 15 year old uh, granddaughter. She's not someday she'll grasp what's going on right now. But I, I can't imagine what they're going to think someday. 
look, there's people in their 30s who think that the George Bush era was the good old days. You know, it's it's yeah. it's all relative. I mean, that's the great thing about life. We can we, we realize, oh, my God, I didn't know how happy I was back when I was miserable in that decade. Oh, yeah. I well, uh, I tore my calf muscle uh, about a month ago. And for most of the past month, I was on crutches or on a knee scooter or with a cane. I had to be wheelchaired through an airport at one point. And I... During that whole time, I'm like, man, I'm grateful for all the time I didn't even realize that, uh, like, so many people, you know, are immobile mm-hmm. m- like this all of the time, and it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's humbling, and to to realize, you know, what you don't have. Once, once you don't have it, it yeah. really makes you grateful for what you did have and what you might have when you do. I mean, Ryan, how are you coping with uh, all of the darkness in our culture right now? Uh, Yingling. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Oldest brewery in America. I live in Pennsylvania. They're made in Pennsylvania. That, that helps me nice. after the day. I prefer the opposite one, know. the Yangling. <laughs> I go for the Yin and Yangling. Yeah, how I'm feeling. What are you? Th- what are your thoughts on the right wing, Ryan? I wanted to call. I listen to you. Actually, I listen to you every morning on my way home from my night shift. I'm so, I'm so like, honored. Uh, Thank wow. you. Thank you for joining us live. Like twelve hours behind, but that's okay. You're like Australia I to under- me. I I understand you're trying to sell your show. And we have to have divisiveness to sell our shows nowadays. I'm, I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm trying to, you know, make sense of the day's events and hopefully be a little bit amusing along the way and to to hear all sides of things. But go ahead. I'm curious with your knowledge and expertise of the biblical verses and your knowledge as a 50-whatever-year-old man that's lived a influenced life. You know a lot of stuff been under the influence of many way, things. <laughs> Go ahead. Is there a way that we could, as a, I'm a dem- Democrat, I guess. My father's always voted Democratic. I guess I am a product of my father's political leanings. Okay. Is there a way that we can meet in the middle with our political opponents yes. to actually make some progress in the world instead yes. of just fighting all the time? There are many ways we can meet with our political opponents. There are many ways we can do it. I mean, we do it every day. Because we do it every day in I regular re- life, I, don't we? I mean, don't don't you yeah, every day I mean, work with people you disagree I, with and get along? Where I work, I have, oh, maybe 10, 10 co-workers, and I'm the only Democrat there. They're all like hardcore. Wow. They've been all worked up over this Donald Trump shit for fucking six years and all the impeachment twice. And and I have to just basically keep my mouth shut because I'm not going to convince them to see my side of the story. But if you if you volunteered your opinions, they would be civil to you, right? Oh, no, they're not. Oh, no, no. I don't. Really? Donald Trump supporters who aren't terribly nice. I'm so sorry to hear that's out there. Yeah. There, mu- there must there must be a mechanism to meet in the middle somewhere. I'm, a- I'm asking your yeah. Knowledge- yeah. knowledgeable opinion. Yeah, here's what I think it is. I think it's facts, patience, love, and empathy. 
I think one of the ways, you know, you reach these people is to just, you know, know what the Bible actually says, know what the Constitution actually says, know what the facts actually are, and talk about, you know, how it is non-millionaires who are being hurt by a rigged system. Because I bet those diehard Trumpers, I bet if a Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren talked about how the deck is stacked against working people, oh, they'd be nodding yeah. their heads I, and agreeing quite a bit. I think when you can agree that we... workers would, would have listened to what Bernie Sanders was saying... When he ran for uh, president in what, 2016? And 20. He ran they twice. Would have, but Donald Trump and his, oh, Steve Bannons and the yeah. uh, whoever else that give him the words to say, convince all the easily convincible people to, oh my God, he's right. You know, I mean, you can ask him questions like, can you name one day of the 1,300 days he was president? Can you name one day, month, day, year where he didn't lie to you? But the problem is, and you know this, they don't care that he lied. They don't mind the racism. They don't mind the sexism. They don't mind the corruption. They don't mind the incompetence. He says what they want to hear. Yeah, we're just a rural. There's 50,000 people in my county. Wow, I get it. Yeah, so where where you live in New York City, you're a hundred times that. So. Yeah, but I come from big, you know, I got a big conservative Southern family and a big conservative uh, Brooklyn family. I mean, my parents were the black sheep in both cases. And, and honestly, you know, it, that's the trick, right? To get along with these people, to not hate them. I was I was just asking if you, if you knew a segue into a, a middle ground that I could talk to. Yeah, people. sure. But I, I think it's, I think it's topic by topic, you know? And yeah. one thing I would say is, um, do you think the one, that the t- one thing should... I brought up a couple of times Go ahead. that I, I got silence from it was the, uh, charity that the Trump family had in New York state. Yeah. I'm, I work in New York state. I'm in Pennsylvania. I'm only a few miles across the border, but I'm like the Trump foundation. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can tell them they're banned. I I said they had a child's charity and they got shut down by the state because they were stealing all the money from the child's charity. Well, these are two different things. Eric Trump had a child's cancer charity that they were looting from, but the Trump Family Foundation was shut down. Uh, They're all banned from running a charity in the state of New York. Jared and, I'm sorry, Ivanka and Eric and uh, Don Jr. uh, had to take a course on how to not steal from people with a charity. I'm not surprised they didn't say anything, just like they probably don't say anything when you bring up Trump University stealing money from veterans. Which it did. They didn't know what to. They didn't know what to say. They and they don't. The and they don't consume news that tells them that. Look, go topic by topic. Ask them: Should government have the power to force a ten-year-old child who has been raped to carry and bear her rapist's baby? Just yeah, ask. That, that. Just I, I find it. Don't fight them. Just ask them questions. I did a whole hashtag on Twitter called "Ask a Tr- uh, uh, Ask a Trump Defender," and it just is like seventy-five questions. Very simple to just ask and and let them give an answer to. That particular subject, I've been arguing with a couple Catholic, older Catholic friends I've had for 30 years about that. Well, here's the question you ask them, because Jesus... Absolutely anti-abortion. Yeah. And then when you bring up, what if your eight-year-old daughter is raped by somebody? Yeah. And they... They just go silent. Well, here's what I ask the Catholics, because Jesus Jesus never mentioned abortion. Jesus was against the death penalty. So so what you ask... I read all your stuff. I listen to you all the time. Yes. So all you got to ask them is, tell me one actual gospel teaching 
of Jesus. Okay. You don't, by the way, atheist friends, you don't have to believe any of this to do this. You don't have to believe I, any of this. I is probably li- lean, just say, lean more atheist uh, after well, being raised. I believe Christian, in atheists. I, I lean more a- atheist. Atheists are some of the best Christians I know. But the question you ask, whether you're a believer or not, you just say, can you name my one? My grandfather one? was a Christian minister for a lot of years. My, and, uh, my mother was a nun. Church. Here's what you do, I Ryan. All you do is you just ask them this. Can you name one teaching of Jesus that the Republican Party has fought for legislatively in the last 40 years? One thing Jesus actually talked about that they have fought for because there's nothing. And I've been through the New Testament many times on this. Ryan, I've got to go, but I thank you very, very much for the call. I think he he reflects the feelings of a lot of people. Oh, yeah. I I offer, if, if he's still listening as well, the one way to reach people, I feel like, you're you're very generous and offering like ask questions and then I would add listen to the answers. <laughs> yeah. Like listen to what people have to say and then truly like one thing at a time, one topic at a time, one moment at a time. Like it can be very difficult because like I think it was not, the people did respond civilly when he when he they responded silently. That's right. When That's they civil. they don't know. You know, my my dad retired with my mom down to Virginia to to where she had grown up and he had a really tough time of it. And after 10 years, they went and moved to Florida and he still had a really tough time of it, but he got along with people. And my dad was so proud. He, he would be proud that when he died, there were more Republicans at his funeral than Democrats. Mm. And he never played dumb. He never kept his opinions to himself. He was always very vocal about his morality on every topic. He, he was never a Democrat. He was way too liberal to be a Democrat, but he was also extremely Catholic. And um, he he would not let himself have enemies. And that to me was a very good role model. Oh yeah, I mean, I I like and you I know, like people. I com- like liking people. And comedians have the same thing. We we don't want to upset the conservative people in our audiences. We have to find a way to be true to what we do while still not repelling people and and insulting people. For sure. You know. <laughs> as best we can. Uh let me go to Richie in LA. Hi Richie, thanks for your patience on hold. Thank you, John. Hi Mike. Hello. Um, thank you, Corey. Hi Thea. The um I wanted to ask Mike about speaking of karma and things like that. What would you hope for someone who you found out stole one of your jokes? Ooh. What would you wish on Carlos Mencia? Ha! Huh, thanks for asking. I hope they'd give it back. Number one, <laughs> uh, I would truly like in the the thing that I love about the Buddhist paradigm that uh, I'm not technically a Buddhist, though uh, that's only because I don't want a Buddhist to hear that I'm a Buddhist and say, oh, you're a Buddhist, name three of our albums. And uh, <laughs> truly, I mean, I, I haven't taken vows, but the main tenets of Buddhism that I love are Buddhists are striving to increase happiness and decrease suffering for all sentient beings, for ourselves, our families, our enemies, the people we're neutral about, people we know, people we don't, animal people, all all people. And so that is, I feel like on any given issue, zooming in, like, would it make me feel bad if I found out that somebody had stolen one of my jokes? Sure. I, and it has happened. It happens it, all the time. Yeah, it absolutely. Uh, and I, I continue to write different jokes, write more jokes, write better jokes, like write jokes about that thing that would happen. That's right. I, I like, you know, I don't think this is the best uh, message to take from Mad Men as like a life lesson, but there's an episode where a younger guy says to Don Draper, like, you're just this, I think this about you, and then Don Draper as like an elevator's closing says, I don't think about you, 
at all. And so <laughs> yeah. truly, like whoever's out there doing things that I wish they weren't, like, I mean, I want to do my best to address the most important, you know, the things that I can change about my own experience, about the, the lives of people that I can touch. But yeah, uh, in the grandest scheme of things, even the slightly less than grandest scheme of things, like it truly doesn't matter to me what somebody's doing that hurts it's, themselves more than me. It's so true. If someone steals your joke, you can get really angry about it or you can realize, wait a second, if I'm going to be successful, this is going to happen. I mean, I, I will just search my jokes on Twitter. I'll just cut and paste them and just see like, oh, how many people just cut and pasted my joke and pass it off as their own. And it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds a day. And it's like, okay, so that means I'm doing good stuff. Yeah, people are resonating with what you're saying. They want other people to hear about it. It kind of doesn't matter in one level, like who is the, sometimes I'll see something that I wrote, sometimes I'll be like, oh no, did I take this from someone? And then I'll search my own history and be like, oh, that was mine. I forgot <laughs> it was so long ago. And then also on the flip side, I mean, parallel thinking happens so much. We're all swimming in the same pool of reality, though maybe right. not. But uh, I truly, I, I, every once in a while, I, I write something that I learn somebody else. One of my be my first jokes was a, I felt that was worked all the time when I started out 20 years ago. So I sadly learned was a Judy Gold joke. And I was like, man, well, well, that's why it's working, it's you know. Brilliant. I'd never heard her do it, but it was. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, it's a, it, it's. So yeah, I I hope that I truly hope that everyone uh, is is happy and has as little suffering as possible, including people that uh, you wouldn't think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's funny. I I once I Julian Bond once stole a joke. 20 years before I told it. Oh, um, sure. Oh, really, Julian? Well, I, 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 I like Julian Bond's old stuff when he was crazy, you know, when he was doing walk-in impressions. Right. I feel like that was um, the, gonna, uh, the 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 thing that Bill Hicks said about Dennis Leary, was that, Dennis Le that uh, Bill Hicks said, I actually, I stole Dennis Leary's whole act, but the thing that I did to be sneaky about it was I went and did it before him. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think I you know there was an earlier caller. She was um, talking about abortion and said, you know, this is something men can't can never do. Also, you know, men can never have an abortion and it'll always be worse than being a cardinal with a grinder account. <laughs> there, thank, I want to thank you for that imagery, Richie. I needed that before my weekend came. Thank you know, I'm here to help. No, but speaking of the karma too, I always I was thinking of what if Clarence Thomas had this dream where he comes shows up late for work and he finds out his marriage has been annulled. <laughs> then he wants to go home and he finds out he's Dred Scott and he can't leave, um, or he has to leave. See, I like your imagination. You should write this down. Actually, don't write it down. Mike and I are going to steal it for our acts. Thank you so much, okay. Richie. Good to hear from you. Eight six six nine nine seven grit is our number. Let me go to uh, Shara, who is calling. I'm not sure where Shara is. Hello, Shara. Hi, I'm in Waller, Texas, mm. about 50 miles north of Houston. Welcome. How nice um, How nice to hear from you. Oh, my, I work for an airline. And, uh, you know, earlier on in the pandemic, I met Joe Manchin. And I, as we're talking, I mentioned to him, you know, how horrible I thought it was, how disrespectful Trump and his supporters were to John McCain. Mm -hmm. and, but. And he said, John McCain was a good friend of mine. And, you know, I said, well, you know, I'm from a military family and it was just disgraceful. But they, they, that being said, I have voted in every election since I turned 18. I've never voted for a Republican, 
never have, never will. And when I said that, he started shaking his head. Oh, no, no, no. And, and putting his hand up and like, oh, no, don't say that. He is disgusting. Yeah. Wrote him a two-page letter when he voted against, you know, blue-collar workers getting a $15 an hour wage. Yeah. He is a disgusting person. And I, not Buddhist, not forgiving, mm. grew up in North Carolina, couldn't wait for Jesse Helms to die, mm. couldn't wait for Rush Limbaugh to die. I don't, do not believe, I'm not into forgiveness. It's oh, not, okay. It's just not me. Okay. But these people, and- What if it's sought? What if, what if, Shara, what if, it, what if forgiveness is sought? I really, I don't believe it. I, to me, if somebody asks for forgiveness, it's because they've been caught or they can't live with the, the consequences of what they've done. And, let, let, let me just put me, it in hypothetical to you. Let, let's talk about the one racist Republicans don't like. There's only one racist Republicans don't like, and that's former Klansman Robert Byrd, Democratic senator, grew up in the Klan, in the Klan for a brief time when he was a youngish man, uh, then renounced his white supremacy. You know, all these racist Democrats either either became Republicans Right. Like Jesse Helms, Strom mm-hmm. Thurmond, or they became uh, uh, like like Robert Byrd became he became liberal. He renounced racism. He devoted his life to voting, to, to voting for civil rights. When he died, he was honored by the NAACP, a former Klansman honored by the NAACP. And all you great. hear from the right is, oh, Hillary mentor was Robert, a Klansman. Joe Biden was friends with this Klansman. He's the one racist they hate because he stopped being racist. But if someone does publicly repent. Can you then I, say, okay? I, I think it's wonderful that people can grow and change. I am just not, a, I'm not a personally forgiving. I think it's wonderful, and I, I would like to see that, but... Sounds like you've grown and changed in the course of this phone call. <laughs> no, but I, I will, there's one... You're forgiving. I, like I forgive say. you for not being forgiving. <laughs> Thank you, but... Just a quick thing on the abortion issue. Please. I am very lucky. I was very lucky I was not raised with my father. My two sisters were. When my parents got married, well, I should say when they got pregnant. Okay. My biological mother was 13. Oh, wow. He was 32. (sighs) At 14, she married him. My goodness. What state is this? Was this North Carolina, love? This was actually this was I think they were already in the D.C. area. By okay. Then. Okay. So so, so married. My, it? my biological mother was from D.C. Wow. and uh, my father had had immigrated up there. Okay. So it is the these men that 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 these laws they they are they are Christian. I, I'm sorry, they're perverts. Yes. They're they're not. You know, it's it's like kind of. I, I went to a Christian private school for a couple of years. I didn't care for the people. Um, yeah. I was happy to get out of there and go to public school. But yeah. these the men that want to control women, they are perverts. And the women who also have this, this inclination just internalize misogyny. Yeah, I, I don't call them Christians. Their- I call them evangelical supremacists. Yeah. You know, they, they, they can't put themselves in that 10-year-old's position. You know, my own brother said, oh, state's rights. And literally, I thought I thought I was going to attack him physically. Wow. And even though we didn't know our mother, we met her once. Really? You know, but you've got to have some sympathy for the girl that she was. She was with a physically abusive 
pedophile. So I'm sorry. How were how were you how were you raised, Shara? I'm fascinated I by was, your childhood. I, at the age of one, I was given to uh, my father's sister. Oh man. I was literally dropped off. And yet you've grown up you've grown up to be this empathetic person who like votes liberal and cares about the less fortunate when you would have had every right to be a, a, a mean, bitter, fascistic well, type. I, if if I had been raised with my father, I would have ended him. Uh, I mean, I was lucky. I was lucky. Other girls aren't that lucky. How did your sisters do that your father raised? They were molested and they, they you oh. know, one had uh, developmental problems and the other one... Eh, kind of a sociopath, but she didn't really have a chance. Right. She was molested. By did your this mother? Did your mother? Did your biological mother stay with your biological father? Did no, the marriage she lose? ran away. She did. Okay, thank <laughs> God. And and he, she tried. You know, uh, the story was she tried to take us with her, and he threatened to kill us all. And it was just for his own pride. But yeah. I was given away. I was <sighs> lucky that I was given away. You know, it's just ridiculous. The fact I never thought that I've always in, been, you know, into politics from the time of the uh, Iran uh, hostage crisis. That's when I started getting interested. I love Jimmy Carter. Me too. But I will tell you, I never thought being 53 that that we would have gone backwards. I will never I've every single person that voted for Trump. I blame them for all of this. Yeah. Every single, I blame them all. Let's blame and, people in three states who voted for Jill mm-hmm. Stein as well. Let's not be selfish. Three, <laughs> people in three, oh. 77,000 people in three states, you know. I had a friend that voted for Nader, and I'm sorry, I had a Corvair. So, <laughs> it, I mean, and I told her, I was like, how did that vote for, you know, how did that vote for Bush go? I mean, you voted for Nader, Ralph Nader, and I liked his ideas. Would I have ever voted for him? No chance. I think it depends on the state. If you're in a safe blue state, you can vote for a Nader. But if you're in a swing state, then that's why we don't have Roe v. Wade anymore. Shara, your your story is amazing. And I think it's just so inspiring to me that you're you're so compassionate in spite of all this hardship. Oh. No, I'm serious. I don't, I don't Even if you don't want to forgive people. Just to my animals. I don't eat these. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great evening. Please call us more often.